The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. The latest trends and hottest topics, love and sex, handled honestly and with passion. Here's Dr. Lori, CJAD 800. Welcome to the Friday edition of Passion. Tonight, sex in the news. So there's a few stories we're following tonight. YouPorn has banned Starbucks coffee in their offices. We'll tell you why. Another study reveals searches for erectile dysfunction is correlated with support for Trump. Interesting explanation there. Plus, researchers built a smart dress to show how often women are groped at clubs. Those are some of the stories we'll uh, talk about later on. But first, time to check out our inbox. Your calls and texts are always welcome. Connect with Passion now at 514-790-0800 or 514-800. You can also email me anytime, Lori at drlori.com. So this is a leftover text from yesterday. I'm a 66-year-old male divorcee. Finding while wanting to be open and honest, it tricky answering questions about how intimate I have been with current dating. I tell about dating for a few months unsuccessfully, then being asked if we were lovers. Can't say none of your business, but truth could be a fail. Well, you don't have to say it's none of your business, but you can say I'm uncomfortable uh, discussing uh, any sexual activity with anybody else to protect whoever else, not just yourself, but you can just say, I don't kiss and tell, for example. Um, or I don't talk about that kind of information until I get to know somebody. So you are under no obligation to share that kind of uh, very private information if you don't want to. And let the other person decide, well, if for them that's uh, a killer of that date or or they don't want to go out with you anymore because you didn't answer that, then so be it. They can make that choice uh, for themselves. But you do not have to answer that kind of question. Uh, hi, Dr. Lori. On the topic of lubricant for anal sex, I have tried on the kitchen table and used olive oil because it was available. Okay. Is there any problem with that type of oil, vegetable? Because I heard others using it too. Look, a lot of people use different kinds of things for uh, lubrication. People will use coconut oil, for example, pretty natural stuff, uh, olive oil. None of these can be used with condoms, so you just have to remember that. As long as there's no reaction, like that your partner isn't reacting to to that kind of oil, then it's really not a problem. It's not, uh, it isn't harmful, per se, unless there's a sensitivity uh, to that. So otherwise, uh, go ahead. I would probably recommend coconut oil, which is... Uh, coconut oil is great for everything, even besides cooking. Like it's a great eye makeup remover. It's a good lubricant. Uh, it's a good facial moisturizer. Um, and I heard it's not that great for cooking after all studies are showing. So, uh, you can use it for many, many other uses. Uh, hourglass penis. What do you know about it? How can I fix the issue? And then in brackets, injections. So, if uh, if I understand what you're talking about with an hourglass penis, I think you're describing a penis shaped like it has a sort of a, a waist to it. So 
This could be a sign of Peyronie's disease, which we've talked about many times, especially if it's causing you to have difficulty with uh, erections. And how what happens in the penis is it's caused by plaque in the tissues, which then prevents certain areas not to be filled with blood. And so it causes this uh, hourglass-looking effect. So... The first thing to do is to see a urologist to discuss the treatment options, which, yes, can include injections. It can include surgery to remove the plaque if there is any. It might be uh, the insertion of a penile prosthesis, possibly. But if you're not having any issues with your erections and it just looks uh, like a bit of an hourglass, then it's not something to worry about. It's kind of part of the range of of normal but when if you've if you've if, if this is something new like it's something you've noticed and if your penis has always had that same look not something to worry about if it's something new then you might have damaged it or something might have happened so always best to check with your uh, medical doctor just to rule out any uh, any potential uh, medical conditions you can text me your questions at 514-800. You can email them to me anytime, uh, laurie at drlaurie.com. We had unprotected sex on a fertile day, but I withdrew before I came. Is it possible that my partner gets pregnant? Yes, it's possible. Is it probable? Not probable, but it is possible because men do secrete... Uh, some uh, pre-cum that you will not feel. And the the pre-ejaculate may contain sperm that could impregnate your partner. So there are some couples that use the withdrawal method as a form of birth control, but this is only effective and not even close to being foolproof, though, if a woman is extremely regular and knows exactly when her fertile days are and she avoids sex or uses condoms on those Days. Um, I think there's a number, something around uh, 20 or a little more than 20 out of 100 women who use this method, the withdrawal method, get pregnant every year. So it isn't exactly the best method of, uh, of birth control, and precisely because of this uh, uh, pre-ejaculate. So I do take a pregnancy test nonetheless, especially if it was on a... Uh, on a fertile day. Uh, let's see, what else? Uh, is wa- Oh, this is a question you might want to answer as well. Is watching, is acting porn or watching porn part of cheating? So, I don't know, it says acting watching, so I'm not sure. Acting out a porn scene with a partner uh, is, is not cheating. Watching porn may be a little more ambivalent uh, when it comes to what is and what is not infidelity. For me, it's not infidelity. I mean, technically, simply watching porn and masturbating to porn is not cheating. Uh, when there's no real person you are connecting with, like if it was on a webcam, for example, and you were connecting with a real person, then to me that would be more on the cheating side. But if you're simply watching people, you have no idea who they are, and I don't think you're technically cheating. 
But cheating is more complex than that because um, there are many factors that determine whether you are betraying your partner or, you're, or not. If your partner is against porn and you go behind her or his back to engage in it, then you are betraying their trust. And that is a form of cheating. If you masturbate to porn instead of having sex with your partner, then that too for me is a factor because you're ending up choosing porn over sex with your partner and your partner will see this as cheating. So I can't give you a clear-cut answer to whether porn watching is cheating or not because there are all these other factors to consider. Uh, coming up in the program, we'll talk about uh, a little bit of uh, science related to uh, Trump supporters. I found it. I laughed out loud when I read this. Uh, I'll share it with you coming up. Your relationships on the line. Connect with Dr. Lori now. 514-790-0800. Passion. News Talk Radio. CJAD 800. Sex in the news, and as I'm speaking to you, I'm looking, checking my email, and I have this crazy, if I tell you this crazy stalker from Seattle, God knows how he finds me. If you're listening to me, you're a sick, sick person. Every once in a while, I think I've, I've accumulated hundreds of emails from this person <clears throat> that are absolutely vile, absolutely vile. This is a very sick person. Anyway, as I'm reading, I'm not going to let it bother me. There are sick people out there, but thankfully, most of us not. So uh, let me let me get on with this. Uh, this is this made me laugh a little bit. A new study out of New York University found that President Donald Trump appeals to men with fragile masculinity. Male Trump supporters will not be happy to hear this. Um, it was just published in the Washington Post this week. Also revealed that Republican candidates facing a Democratic a dem, facing a Democrat drew more support in areas of the country with higher levels of fragile masculinity in 2018 House races. Uh, the professor at NYU, Eric Knowles, and the doctoral student Sarah DiMuccio say that male Trump supporters are much more insecure with their own masculinity than you'd think, and that Trump's authoritarian, cartoonishly machismo rhetoric makes them feel more powerful. The researchers used Google Trends and sampled 300 men to determine that Trump appears to attract male supporters seeking to reaffirm their manliness. They say the political process provides a way that fragile men can reaffirm their masculinity. By supporting tough politicians and policies, men can reassure others and themselves of their own manliness. They found an especially strong correlation between counties that voted overwhelmingly for Trump and Google searches for topics such as how to get girls, penis size, erectile dysfunction, penis enlargement, Viagra, hair loss, and testosterone. The article goes on to say, perhaps more interesting is the lack of a correlation between fragile masculinity and voting in 20, uh, 2008 and 2012. The researchers found that the correlation of fragile masculinity and voting in presidential elections was distinctively distinctively stronger in 2016 than when John McCain and Mitt Romney were Republican presidential candidates. This same lack of a correlation held up in the 39-plus House races that featured a Republican versus a Democrat for those years, suggesting that fragile masculinity has now become 
a stronger predictor of voting behavior. The pair make sure to note that the research reported is correlational, meaning that they cannot say for a fact that men who harbor their definition of fragile masculinity voted for Trump on account of that fragility. They do think the correlations were identified as important because of the unarguable connection between masculinity concerns and political beliefs. Wow. Isn't that interesting? I find that absolutely fascinating. Don't you? Uh, Texter writes, I don't consider porn cheating if both partners are busy and open about porn and or masturbation to have a quick release. I find that sex is more of a quality experience, which can take time, like uh, first the date, then foreplay, and so on. I'm, I agree with you uh, on that one. If both partners are open about it and they understand that when one isn't available or they just want a quick release, that they this is what happens and sex with their partners a whole other kind of experience, then it need not be a problem. But for some couples, uh, it can be. <laughs> Here's a Trump supporter from Toronto. What a dumb 300 sample survey. They didn't just sample 300 men. They actually did fa- looked at Google Trends as well. Uh, just Washington Post leftist propaganda. <laughs> Re-Trump, oh barf, give me a break. All right, what, just the mention of his name, Obarf? Come on, it's interesting. Wow, all right. Um, Oh, uh, this is on my, uh, somebody writes in, you should go to the police, you have no idea how sick that person is. Uh, So this person, I'm not as concerned because I, I did some digging and was able to discover that this stalker of mine, that has been, by the way, stalking me for... I don't know, maybe seven years now, something like that, um, lives in Seattle. No, and, and I, and you know how I discovered what it started off. And when I made the link, it started off where somebody alerted me, one of his Facebook friends, cause it's not a Facebook friend of mine, contacted me through messenger to tell me that this person that they're friends with is trashing me all over the place. Uh, on on his uh, news feed and putting links to uh, my um, my website and I mean it, the the language he uses is absolutely vile. He's never threatened my life and I have gone to the police. I've gone to the police here, and the problem with that is, and I've gone to the police in Seattle by phone. But if I'm to press charges, I have to go to Seattle to go to court and and do all of that. So I feel. Pretty safe, considering he's all the way over there, and really realized he's psych- like he's just has a psychiatric uh, illness and picks on me. What can I say? And and very much against any talk about uh, sexuality or anything like that. So, what can you do? It's part of the job. It's part of uh, being outspoken about uh, sexuality. It's part of of, of being on the air. It's part of being in the media. It's just the risks, I suppose, that, uh, that we take. So let's just hope nothing happens to me. How's that? All right. You porn talking about porn has banned Starbucks coffee in all of its offices. Why? Because Starbucks is banning porn on its Wi-Fi, which 
I'm not opposed to. I don't want to sit like next to somebody while they're watching porn while I'm drinking my coffee either. Like that, it wouldn't be what I would pick necessarily. So like I wouldn't want to have to, you know, look at those images. But anyway, uh, so they have banned all Starbucks products from uh, their offices starting January 1st, 2019. Seems a bit petty uh, to me. But uh, anyway, they sent out a, a memo from the vice president and uh, said uh, updated company policy, uh, which announced the ban to employees on Thursday. It said, in light of the news that Starbucks has blocked customers from searching and viewing adult content within their establishment, Starbucks, Starbucks products will officially be banned from the U-Porn offices effective ja- January 1st, 2019. Anyone who might take issue with the ban can see your direct manager. All right. All right. Uh, Texter writes, I've been married for seven years. Every year it seems that my wife seems less and less interested in sex. Our marriage is happy and fun. Is it me physically the problem or is there something I can do? So um, I'll answer this question because it's rather common, especially in uh, women who uh, into long-term relationships often lose their spontaneous desire for sex, not necessarily interest, but their the spontaneous desire means that their hunger for sex may diminish drastically or may disappear. It doesn't mean they're no, no longer interested in sex. It certainly doesn't mean that they're no long, longer interested in you or that they find you less attractive or that you do anything wrong or any of that. So the only thing to be done really is to be able to discuss this and to come up with some planning or some, um, uh, I don't want to say, like you, you might have to just schedule it in, but letting your partner know that you miss them, you want to be close to them, you want to be intimate with them, you want to connect with them sexually, how do we make this happen? And if your partner isn't, can't uh, agree or be open to having sex, even when uh, she doesn't feel like it, Again, she's it's, even if she's not hungry for it, she can still be open to it, knowing that once she gets she engages in sex, the arousal will occur, and uh, you're going to start stimulating her. She's going to start to feel good, and the desire will kick in. Now, I'm saying this generally, not knowing your situation. So usually, I see couples and I evaluate like what's going on in the relationship, what's going on in. Uh, the person's life um, whose sex drive has diminished, like what are the stressors around? What What is stopping them from being open uh, to sex? So if you don't get anywhere, I would recommend quickly that you uh, seek uh, therapy from someone who specializes in sexuality where you can talk this out. Very, very important. Couples who wait too long create far too much distance in their relationship, and then it becomes much more difficult to get it back. And they say things like, ah, sex is awkward, and now, like, getting back into it is awkward. So don't, like, don't let this fester, Don't and, and don't think it's just going to disappear on its own. It's a problem that needs to... Um, to be addressed. 514-800, if you have uh, comments, questions, uh, I'm here, and especially any comments of any of the stories that uh, we're sharing tonight, I'd love to hear from you. So at 514-800, so there's a campaign um, in uh, Brazil, 
And what this is, it's on behalf of the beverage company Schweppes, uh, this advertising agency called Ogilvy created a touch-sensitive dress that tracked how often and with what degree of intensity women in Brazil were groped on an average night out. The goal was to elevate the issue to men, to bring it to their attention, who expressed in preliminary interviews that harassment was not a major issue for club-going women. This title, the project, uh, the title for the project was called The Dress for Respect. The researchers built a dress embedded with sensor technology that tracked touch and pressure. And then the information was relayed to a visual system that researchers could essentially track harassment in real time. They sent three women out wearing this dress and throughout the night, um, they were being touched and it showed all the areas that they were being touched. The women were brushing them off. You could hear in the video saying, don't touch me. Why are you touching me? Etc. In just under four hours, the women are touched a combined of 157 times. Touched 40 times per hour, each women. Uh, so imagine that. Very interesting. I don't know what happens in clubs now, but I thought this was a fascinating, fascinating uh, experience or, or experiment to uh, to do. Uh, lots more stories uh, coming up. We'll talk about a uh, facial, a foreskin facial. Ew, I know. I'll tell you about that coming up after we check in with our newsroom. The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. From the pleasure to the pain and everything in between. Passion with Dr. Lori. News Talk Radio, CJAD 800. 514-800 if you want to text in some of your thoughts on any of the stories I'm sharing with you. And we, we heard about the, uh, this smart dress. This, this is a project titled The Dress for Respect. I thought it was brilliant. Where they put sensors in it and they sent out women wearing this dress and then they were able to track... Uh, how many times these women get touched, unwanted, by the way, and where they got touched. There's a video of it. So if you look it up, uh, I'm trying to see. If you just uh, Google the dress for respect, you'll see it. And there's a whole video where they interviewed men uh, before saying there is no problem of the touch or harassment or whatever in clubs. that w- Women don't have to worry about that kind of stuff. And then uh, they... They showed the responses after, but they they do the they show it like in live time. So every time the woman got touched, you could see on a screen the parts of the dress that lit up. And then by the end of the three hours, it's incredible how much of that dress was touched. But anyway, uh, I hadn't been to a club in a long time. This texter writes and decided to go to one on Halloween. I never had much of an issue before with unwanted touching, except for a little grinding action. I went out dressed as a man, and this guy I decided to dance with was trying to shove his hands down my pants front and back and ended up biting me. I never saw that much aggression before, so it is surprising in the age of the Me Too movement. People told me that he seemed high. Well, it's hard to know who's doing what drugs in what club, right? It's... uh this does happen, and I'm just wondering, if, for those of you who do go out clubbing, does this happen to you? Do you get groped, touched, unwanted? 
So it's not like you're flirting with somebody and you are doing touching and they're doing touching and, and, and stuff like that. I, I'm curious to know if this happens here. This this was a, a, a little experiment that was done in Brazil. So um, I'm not sure if it would apply here, but I think it would be interesting to replicate that kind of study in the clubs all around uh, North America. So Kate Beckinsale posted the results of her Hollywood E, it's called the Hollywood EGF facial. EGF standing for uh, epidermal growth factor. She posted this to Instagram. The treatment is offered by the Georgia Louise Atelier in New York City and has been dubbed the penis facial because it includes a serum derived from newborn baby uh, foreskin. The facialist says that only cloned cells are used in the serum, but it still receives some backlash regarding how the foreskin and cells are sourced. I'd like to know how they're sourced. How do they find these foreskin cells? Do they uh, contact the moil at the, uh, who does circumcisions uh, for brisses at the, at the hospital? Do they steal, like, how do they get them? How do they get their hands on foreskin? Uh, anyway, uh, Beckinsale has since deleted the post, but the photo is still up on uh, the Instagram page of the person who does uh, those facials. But th- th- they weren't the first person to uh, – she wasn't the first person to do that. There was uh, apparently uh, – who else was it? There was news of it, other other celebrities uh, who have done these facials. $650 U.S. for this. Don't I have no idea what it does. Um, uh, apparently there's a specific protein found in penis foreskin that, uh, makes it, uh, that promotes, uh, wound healing and helps with age spots and, and all of that and reducing wrinkles. Have I seen any studies about this? No. Has there been any research? No. This is just one person's claim about this. And of course, people are calling the treatment barbaric and disgusting, uh, especially they were commenting on uh, on Kate Beckinsale's uh, Instagram post. And I guess that's why she uh, she removed it. This, that's pretty gross. I, I like, ooh, I would not. No, no. A blind man is suing uh, Playboy's website for not being uh, user-friendly to visually to the visually impaired. So this blind guy wants to read Playboy for the articles, okay, but he can't. Uh, Donald Nixon, who is legally blind, filed a lawsuit against the website claiming that it was in violation of the America, American with Disabilities Act. Both Playboy.com and PlaybojShop.com are allegedly not compatible with Nixon's screen reading software, which allows blind or visually impaired users to read the text with a speech synthesizer or Braille display. Based on court documents, uh, Nixon argued that visually impaired people could not fully and equally use or enjoy the facilities, products, and uh, services. So he is suing Playboy for violating the American with Disabilities Act in hopes to make their website more accessible for the blind and for unspecified damages. I never understood, well, I can understand suing to get something changed, but damages, what are the damages? Uh, that I, I, I'm never clear about that. When someone sues for damages in this situation because he couldn't read the articles, what kind of damage is that? 
That's kind of weird to me. Uh, in much more serious news, <clears throat> not that, that the blind person's thing isn't serious, but this is, I think, far more serious. Uh, domestic violence is the most common killer of women around the world. A UN report revealed that 87,000 women were murdered last year and over half were killed by intimate partners or family members. This is a new report from the United Nations. Um, the UN Office on Drugs and Crime released the global study on homicide, gender-related killing of women and girls to coincide with the International Day for the Elimination of Violence Against uh, Women. The report analyzed the violence perpetrated against women worldwide in 2017, looking at intimate partner violence and family-related killings such as dowry and honor-related Murders. Last year, 87,000 women were murdered around the world, and more than half, that's 58%, were killed by partners or family members. Over a third of those intentionally killed last year were murdered by a current or former intimate partner. This means that globally, six women are killed every hour by someone they know. It's not to say, by the way, that it doesn't happen to men, but far more. If you look at domestic uh, violence, women are much more likely to die from domestic violence than men are. So again, not to say that men are not abused by women because they are uh, regularly, uh, but they don't uh, get killed by it. So according to the study, 82% of intimate partner homicide victims are women and 18% are men. So yes, it still does happen to men, but far, um, far less. So according to uh, the um, the UN, while the vast majority of homicide victims are men, women continue to pay the highest price as a result of gender inequality, discrimination, and negative stereotypes. They are also the most likely to be killed by intimate partners and family. Scary, scary, scary stuff. And if we're talking about domestic violence, this was an interesting article about, and I'd never heard this word before, although I've I know that it happens, uh, reproductive coercion, like forcing somebody basically or uh, forcing them into sex without protection so that they get pregnant, reproductive coercion. So this woman who is suing or who sued her ex-partner and he's uh, actually didn't sue, but went to the, made a police report and he was found guilty and is going uh, to jail. When we talk about reproductive, Reproductive coercion, it is any behavior that deliberately prevents a person from making decisions about their reproductive health. It includes contraceptive sabotage. We've talked about stealthing before, which is removing of the condom midway without your partner's knowledge, for example. Another uh, contraceptive sabotage would be uh, a woman who says she's on the pill but really isn't or deliberately uh, puts a hole in a condom or whatever. That would be contraceptive sabotage. Pressuring another person into falling pregnant, continuing a pregnancy or ending a pregnancy or forcing a person into sterilization. So those are all kinds of, contra uh, of uh, uh, reproductive coercion. Uh, and this just tells the story of this uh, woman who was clearly in simply a very abusive uh, relationship. 
Uh, coming up, we'll talk about homophobia in soccer or, or during soccer matches in the UK and surprising, uh, surprising facts about that as well. That's coming up next. It's Sex Out Loud, and you're welcome to listen in. Passion on CJAD 800. I'm sitting here, I swear, fuming, thinking, ruminating about how to answer a, a crazy person who keeps uh, uh, sending me emails for the last, I don't know how many years from Seattle, I, I, maybe I've mentioned this before, but I, I talked about it today because just at the beginning of the show, I got this email, like vile, vile language, and I'm thinking, and I know I should not write back and I should not respond, right? But but inside of me, I'm, I'm coming up with all kinds of responses that I want, like just want to go nasty back, <laughs> Um Anyway, I'm just venting to you because I know many of you are a good support for me also, my listeners. So uh, thank you for allowing me to to share this with you. Uh, all right. Um, this study came out. Reports of homophobic abuse around uh, football matches, football meaning soccer, this was uh, in the UK, continues to sharply rise according to new data, which was released on Wednesday, November 28th, by the organization Kick It Out, which works to combat racism, homophobia, and discrimination in football, uh, I'll say soccer, uh, shows that reports of hate incidents are dramatically are up dramatically year on year, there were 111 reports of homophobic abuse incidents around football matches in the 2017-18 season, a 9% increase from the previous report. Six transphobic incidents were also reported. Racist incidents remain the most prevalent, with 273 reported over the past year. Um, and this uh, covers all levels of the game, including the Premier League, English Football League, the FA Women's Super League, non-league, and grassroots uh, fixture. fixture. They say it is hugely disappointing to have to reveal, yet again, increasing levels of all forms of discriminatory abuse at football slash soccer. Uh, while the increased reports reflect a greater inclination among fans to complain about unacceptable abuse, these trends reflect in part what is happening in the rest of society. Hate crime reports have doubled over the last year to more than 94 Thousand. Football cannot be complacent about the risk to the game this represents. Much good work has and is being done to prevent and counter unacceptable behavior, but the professional leagues and their clubs must do more in a coherent and consistent way, exemplifying all the best practices applied by some clubs. And just so you know, there are no out men uh, in English professional football. Footballers have previously spoken out about a culture of homophobia within the sport. Imagine no openly gay male footballers in the top tiers of the sport in the UK. And many of the, and doesn't mean they don't exist. They just feel terrified to come out. The last player to come out while playing was Justin Fashanu, who came out in 1990 but died by suicide in 1998 after years of homophobic abuse. Very sad. Thank you, Texter, for letting me know. If you respond, you're only giving him what he wants. You're right. I'm not going to respond. I was just fantasizing about what I could respond and like just, yeah what I could respond, but I won't. I promise you 
uh, I will not give uh, the satisfaction. Who really practices polyamory? Polyamory basically is being open to the idea of loving more than one person and having a serious relationship with multiple people at the same time. Most of us think about this and think, how is that possible? I barely have time for my one partner. Oh, wow. Uh, so this is different from open relationships where in open relationships, partners are okay with having sex with other people, but they don't want them falling in love with anybody else. So they're romantically committed, just not sexually committed. With polyamory, you can love more than one person, basically. It's estimated that 4 to 5% of people living in the U.S. are polyamorous or participating in other forms of open relationships. And 20% of people have at least attempted some kind of ethical non-monogamy at some point in their lives. But who are these people? What drives these people to forego these traditional relationship structures? So new research out of the University of Western Ontario, uh, did some uh, research. It was published in the Journal of Sex Research uh, last June that looked at uh, the backgrounds of, uh, let's say, over 2,400 polyamorous individuals, and which is a very large study to find that many polyamorous individuals, and 539 monogamous individuals, and they asked them to take an online survey. They found that polyamorous people tend to identify more as bisexual uh, or pansexual and are more likely to report being divorced and make less money yearly than monogamous couples. Uh, they also looked at all the usual demographics, age, race, education, sexuality, etc. But one completely unexpected thing popped out from the research. Polyamorous people do not like the use of any and all labels, not just sexual identity labels. They are the ones who often choose the other category and they write in their own option. So even when uh, asked about their political affiliation, they would choose uh, other and then they would fill in like anarchist, progressive, socialist, or none. Uh, so... Uh, they speculate that the finding may reflect polyamorous preferences to reject or deviate from traditional group labels, similar to how trans people tend to reject traditional sexual orientation uh, labels. Uh, they also were able to draw three other major conclusions from the data. For one, bisexual and pansexual participants were much more likely to report being in polyamorous relationships, whereas straight participants were more likely to report being in monogamous ones. Half of bi and pan people reported being polyamorous compared to only 36% of heterosexual individuals. And when it came to monogamous relationships, 74% of straight Respondents reported being monogamous compared to only 17% of bi or pan uh, respondents, um, which is very interesting uh, because we make kind of uh, assumptions and we, we actually don't really know all that much uh, about this group of people who choose to live it with ethical uh, non-monogamy. Ethical non-monogamy is, you know, what you're doing, it's not cheating. 
and yet you know, a lot of people still think it's cheating like why bother why why bother even getting married why bother getting into a relationship and it's it's a different way of looking at life it's a different way of looking at love and relationships uh, to Dr. Lori, re your stalker. If the guy's in California, well, he's in Seattle, actually. They do have anti-stalking laws on the books, so you can and should file a complaint with California Police Department, perhaps in the city where he is living. Um, thanks, Rick. I appreciate that. Actually, um, you know what? It's time again to make a phone call to the uh, to the police department in Seattle and see what can be done. I get tired. Like sometimes he goes quiet for a while and then I get a barrage of emails from him with all the same terrible spelling all over the place, but calling me all kinds of names. Um, and, but they tell me like, because there's no death threat or no, no threat of harm, they really can't do all that much. And I don't want to go to Seattle to to fight a crazy person. I really don't. <laughs> anyway, but thank you. I appreciate uh, your advice. And uh, I'll keep you posted. So if something happens, we'll do that. We we did have a stalker once where uh, who ended up going to prison. Um, so that, but that was a Montreal uh, stalker. So that was a little easier to follow up on. It's very hard when somebody's like at the other end of the country. So, so that's it, guys. This is my last night uh, before I'm going on vacation on Monday. Paris Mansori will be sitting in for me for the next couple of weeks. So we've got our regular panels lined up still. We'll still have our alternative sexuality, our teen talk panel, our sex tech guy. All of those will uh, will continue uh, without me, and Paris will do a, a, a great job, as she always does. Uh, but you can always email me, uh, and I will get to your specific questions uh, when I get back. Or on Trouble Tuesdays, one of my colleagues, Amanda Luderman, will be sitting in for Trouble Tuesdays to answer your questions. She's also a psychologist. She also specializes in sexuality, and will be able to uh, to help you out. So... Uh, I want to wish you all uh, a wonderful weekend. Thank you for being here with me this week. And thank you for uh, listening to me tonight. And be good to Paris, okay? Please. Thanks to our technical producer, Dave Simon. Thank you to our passion researcher, Linda DeLisi. If you want to connect with me on social media, you could do that at Dr. Lori Petito or through my website, drlori.com. Coming up next on CJD, the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening, folks, and remember to live your life with passion.